with heights to the depths of the sea. And so he called to her, and when she had and so when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. She didn't even come in the room. That's how just the, the reverence that she had for Elisha as a man of God. She didn't presume to just barge in. She, I think Elisha had more uh, respect than any king on the earth at that time. And for good reason, too. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. As we have learned, the Shunammite woman sought to do many hospitable things for Elisha the prophet. She supplied him food and even shelter each time he passed through. Although she was barren, she never made it known to Elisha or his servant Gehazi of her wishes to have a child. She was summoned to Elisha, and he said to her, About this time next year you shall embrace a son. To this barren woman, this promise seemed too good to be true. The stigma associated with barrenness was harsh in the ancient world, and this promised son would answer the longing of her heart and remove the stigma of barrenness. Now let's join Pastor Rob. In Mark's Gospel in chapter 10, verse 23, let me just read it to you. You can write down the reference, Mark 10. Verse 23, it begins there. But it says that Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Think of how interesting that would be. Um, then for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them, and he said, With men it's impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. And then Peter said to him, See, we have left all, and we have followed you. We've left everything and followed you. And, and Jesus answered and said, and here it is, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold, not, notice, now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. I love how he sticks that in there unless we get too comfortable. And in the age to come, eternal life. So Elisha had one home, but now this woman, as Jesus shared here, shared here, because of his devotion to God, he's got another home to go to. It belongs to somebody else, but he, as he comes and goes, he's got a place to stay. Think about that as you travel around the country. You know, you go to California, you go down to Florida, and you never have to get into a hotel because you know somebody's down there, and you stay with this person a few days and that person a few days. Next thing you know, your trip is no longer, you know, $8,000. It's only $1,000 because you have houses of brothers and sisters in other places. 
and they open themselves up to you. And that's what this woman did. Amazing. What a beautiful heart. Verse 11, and it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. And then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him and he said to him, uh, said to Gehazi, Elisha said to Gehazi, say now to her, look, you have been concerned, and this idea is to be anxiously careful. You've been anxiously careful uh, with us for all of this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. You know, it seems that she had a great reverence for the Lord and as a result wanted to do something. He wanted to do something, um, or she wanted to do something she could to be a help and a blessing to God's servant. And it really is wonderful when we see this thing happening in the church. Just people who got that gift of giving and that heart of hospitality. Because there are many people in this fellowship who have that heart. And, you're no, and you've shown it by proving it. May we all have the same kind of heart. But this is a, interesting because it appears in this verse that Elisha had enough rapport with the king of Israel to approach him on behalf of this woman's needs. And you may be asking, the king of Israel and Elisha? That, that seems like a problem. Uh, 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 one is one way and one is the other. How could they have this rapport? Well, Elisha didn't compromise, but Joash, or the king of Israel, admired him. Even though he didn't like him, probably at times, he admired him. He knew he was a man of God. It reminds me of that proverb in Proverbs 16. It says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And it's true. What's even more remarkable is that the woman didn't want anything the king had to offer, but was, she was just content with what she had, except that she didn't have a child. She had everything, you know, life, she had everything everybody, you know, anybody could want. She had, she's wealthy, she and her husband, but she didn't have a son. And as you know, any Hebrew woman who couldn't have a child and have a son was like a, a mark upon her. It was like a scarlet letter. It was a very shameful thing because other women would look, well, God has obviously cursed your womb, woman. And that may not be the truth at all. Some of the most godly women in the Bible were women who were barren and then later in life had children. This woman is going to be one of them. And so he said, what then could be done? What, what, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. Now, the woman didn't tell Gehazi to tell Elisha this, and, and I find that interesting too. She had such a... Have you been around somebody? Maybe you're a boss, maybe you're a pastor, or maybe you're a, 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 a owner of a business, and you got somebody who works for you, and they're a little bit hesitant about really being themselves around you. They're kind of gidgety and fidgety, because they, 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 they feel somehow funny around you. And I think this woman... And I think Elisha knew that about her. That's why he didn't go to her or have her come to him initially. He's like, Gehazi, you go get it. She's more likely to open up to you because I'm too much of a distraction for her. And so he does. And, and the woman doesn't tell Gehazi, hey, you know what? I've got everything I need, but I don't have a son. She didn't say that. She just says, I dwell among my own people. In other words, I'm happy, I'm content here. And that was it. But Gehazi knew something that she didn't tell him, and that is she wanted a son. And so 
And so Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son, and her, her husband is old. And so this dear woman was in this same predicament as Hannah was in 1 Samuel, the same predicament that Abraham's wife Sarah was in. She was in this same predicament as Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother. All of these were older women past their time, their prime. And so he called to her, and when she had... And so when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. She didn't even come in the room. That's how just the, the reverence that she had for Elisha as a man of God. She didn't presume to just barge in. She, I think Elisha had more uh, respect than any king on the earth at that time. And for good reason, too. Then he said to her, About this time next year you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my Lord, no man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I mean, we know in theory there isn't anything too hard for the Lord, but you wouldn't know that by sometimes the way we respond to things like this. Turn with me to Genesis 18. Genesis 18. We're just going to look at the first 15 verses quickly. Genesis 18, a passage we know very well. It says, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham by the terebinth trees of Mamre, and as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him, and he saw them, and he ran from the tent door to meet them, and he bowed himself to the ground, and he said, My Lord, if if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass... um, Do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. And after that you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. And they said, do as you've said. And so Abraham quickly went into the tent uh, to Sarah and said, quickly make three measures of meal and knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and young calf and gave it to the young men. And they hastened to prepare it. And he took the butter and milk and the calf, which he prepared. He sets it before them. And then they said to him, where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife will have a son. Now at this time, they were very old. <laughs> And, and they're both, and I'm sure when God says this to them, and we believe it's an angel of the Lord, there's three angels here, but one of them we believe is a pre-incarnate visitation of Christ because he receives worship, and he calls him Yahweh, Lord, Yahweh, all caps. You'll see that later in the chapter. But So when Abraham and Sarah were old, they were old well in advance in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. So therefore, Sarah, when she hears this, she laughs, notice, within herself, saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord also being old? In other words, this guy is no, you know, he's not all that anymore, and neither am I. And the, and the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? And remember what it says? It says she laughed within herself. And the other part of the tent where nobody could see, she laughed within herself. She didn't laugh out loud. Why did Sarah laugh? No, notice, and the Lord said, Jehovah said to Abram, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I, uh, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is any, and then he, notice, is anything too hard for the Lord? 
At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And, and he said, no, but you did laugh. I love that. And did the God browbeat her? Did God, you know, pronounce a curse on her? No, he just exposed And honestly, that could be any one of us because in the natural, and be careful of that because we size things up with our eyes all the time and we say, it can only happen if I can, I will believe it when I see it. And when I see it, then I believe it. But you know what? That's not faith at all. See, I believe God would have us go beyond that and really grow in our faith so that we don't have to necessarily see everything before we believe it's going to happen. That's what faith is. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. The evidence means you already know that it's going to happen, but you haven't seen it yet. Because you know in your heart, you've prayed about it, you've talked to the Lord about it, and he gives you that faith and you say, I know it's going to happen, Lord. It's just going to be time. And then he does. He delivers. And many of you have experienced that as well. But we get the natural in front of us, and because that's most of our life, and that's all we really know, we always size things up in the natural, and think, well, God can't do that. And you know what? I pray that God blows our minds. Individually and corporately in this fellowship, in this church, I pray that he blows our minds and our hearts right out into orbit in a good way. And pray for that for your own life. Say, God, increase my faith, because my faith is so small. And God is not upset with a small faith. He can take a little bit of faith and do great things with it. But don't sell him short. He is able. You simply ask him, and you know, don't, don't worry about praying small prayers just as much as don't worry about praying in, you know, totally impossible prayers. Pray the big prayers too that just seem way outside of anybody's ability to do. And you pray and you watch and see what happens. But you pray in accordance to his will, and there's a secret too. I pray in his name. I don't pray in my name. I don't pray just so I can amass it for my own lust. No, if, you're, if your prayer is right and it's good, you pray the, the most, in, the thing that, no, that, that could never happen. Think about what would happen. Th- seriously, I just mentioned it earlier. The possibility of Roe v. Wade being overturned in the middle of this Biden administration. Think about it. (laughs) How did that happen? Millions of prayers. Millions of prayers. God having it up to here. And if you think that God is for abortion, you've got a problem. You've got a real problem if you think God is for abortion. He hates it. Now, if you're a woman here and you've had one in your past and, God has, and you've asked God to forgive you, he's covered it. Don't worry. It's over. That child is in glory. There's no need to, to keep beating yourself up for it because you do sometimes. Maybe you have those things, but God hates it. He hates it, and he is going to deal with it if this country doesn't turn. He's already dealing with us. But I love the glimmer of hope. Right when our candle seems like it's about ready to be extinguished, he goes, watch this. <laughs> I love it. Do we serve an awesome God? I don't know, do we? 
We do. We serve an awesome God. He's an awesome God, and he's got great things coming for us. Folks, for us, for the Christians and the believers, the world is going to get darker and darker, but you and I are looking forward to a new kingdom where moth and rust doesn't corrupt. Verse 17. But the woman conceived, and she bore a son when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her, and the child grew. And now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, so obviously an agrarian society, so he's out there helping his dad, probably a very young kid, and we'll see why, because he, he climbs up on his mother's lap here shortly. And he said to his father, my head, my head, and so he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And, uh, you know, it's possible he had a sunstroke, or maybe he had an aneurysm in his brain. We don't really know what happened, but it wasn't just a migraine because migraines don't usually kill people. So when they had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and she shut the door behind him and went out. And then she called for, to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. And so he said, so the husband says, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon or the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. He didn't even know that the child had died. The son is up in Elisha's room in a sense. The woman put him up there and she doesn't even tell her husband. She's like, I'm going after the prophet. I'm going to go talk to him as soon as possible. Her husband's still working out in the field. He has no clue. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward and do not slack the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed, went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. Notice that's where he was. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, it is well. And so now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone. For her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Yes, the great Elijah, God didn't tell him in advance what was going on. You know, Elijah wasn't clairvoyant. He received what God told him, and only what God told him, for the reasons, and the reasons only that God told him. You know, some people think that Christians, that we got to be clairvoyant. What, you couldn't see Ian coming? You couldn't tell your family ahead of time? I'm not a clairvoyant. I, I, I serve God. <laughs> He's taking care of this. He has his way in the whirlwind. I don't understand it at all. It broke my heart, to, me, to be honest with you, to see my beloved. <laughs> what is wrong with me tonight? <laughs> Good grief. I feel like, uh, yeah, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. So. So she goes to Elijah. She said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? And then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on the way. If you meet anyone, do not greet them. And if you, anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives, as Jehovah lives. Notice, that's, what she, that's the word there. As Jehovah lives... And as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And so he arose and followed her. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them, 
and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child hasn't awakened. And I think that's interesting because God didn't anoint the staff of Elijah. He anointed Elijah. And I'm glad stuff like this is in the Bible because people get fetishes about articles of things. <gasps> These are the chains of St. Peter. You know, it's like, yeah, they're, they're chains. They're made of iron. And yes, they, maybe they did shackle Peter. But is there magic in the... No, it, maybe it could it be the faith of the person? I mean, granted, I mean, in Acts, we know that the shadow of Peter passing by and people getting healed. I get all that. But was it the shadow of Peter or was it the faith in Peter's God that they were believing in? He was just the agent in the way. He was just the point of contact. See, God knows the difference. We don't always know the difference. But there was nothing magical about the staff. So he went in, therefore, and shut the door behind the two of them, and he prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hand. And he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. And he returned and walked back and forth in the house, no doubt praying profusely, and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Out on him, And then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite woman. And so he called her, and when she came into him, he, he said, pick up your son and so she went in and fell at his feet and bowed to the ground and then she picked up her son and she went out and you know isn't that just a wonderful thing you know God had given her this child miraculously and then the child has a heat stroke and dies at a young age probably less than probably not even 10 years old maybe and she's just like you know I've been waiting all my life for this you know I had everything and now I had this bright light in my life and now God takes them away and you can almost just hear her. God says, I'm going to bring him back. Can you imagine how grateful that woman was? You could have taken all of her money away. She is now a servant of God, totally sold out, a woman with a broken heart who didn't even have the chance of having a son, and now she's got a son, and then he dies. I mean, what more, what greater grief could you have from, of not having a child to begin with, and then finally having a child, and before it's even adult, it dies. I mean, what greater grief? Do you ever find that in the Christian life? That sometimes the greatest things that, that just crack you like an egg, the things that just break you in half, God is with you in it. He knows the end of it as well. He knows what he's going to accomplish at the end of that. It's greater than gold. We don't have time to go there, but I would encourage you in your Bible to, um, in your margin, write down Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, 21, really through 42. And you see Jesus in the New Testament doing the very same thing. You know, this young girl, Jairus' daughter, she's sick and ill, and finally she dies. And then Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house, and they come back. While he's still en route to Jairus' house, somebody meets out and says, you know, the child is dead, don't even bother. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Second Kings. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.